wife. We are just blessed to be here. Some of you would ask, have asked me, what should I call you? And you can call me John, you can call me Pastor John, Pastor Talay. As they say, just don't call me late for dinner, right? Or breakfast, or lunch. Amen. So there's a lot going on in our nation this coming week, huh? If you watch the news, or even if you don't watch the news, you're aware there's a lot going on in our world, there's a lot going on in our country, and it can be overwhelming at times. This Friday, something very big is happening, of course, the inauguration of our new president. For some of you, that will bring uh, joy in your heart, excitement. Others, fear, anxiety, uncertainty, very real feelings. And no matter how you vote, how you view life, I think we can all agree we should be praying for our nation and for our leaders. Amen? Amen. If things go good in our nation, praise God. If things go bad, praise God, because the end must be even closer than we first believed. Thinking about the inauguration, thinking about a new president, got me thinking about a story in the Bible, or I was reflecting on a story of an inauguration event that took place in the Bible. And I want to take some time this morning to take a look at it, but I want to pray one more time before we open up God's Word. Dear Father, here we are. We ask you to speak. In Jesus' name, amen. Our story begins with the only woman in the Bible ever to be called wicked. The only person, the only woman to be ever called wicked. And you might be thinking it's Jezebel, but Jezebel is not called wicked in the Bible, although she certainly was. It's actually Jezebel's daughter. Her name is Athaliah. Probably no Athaliahs in the congregation this morning. Never met any of them, although I have met Jezebel. Or maybe it was a little dog named Jezebel. In any case, Athaliah was at an inaugural ceremony by accident. She heard the trumpets blasting. She heard some, some shouting, some commotion, and she realized instantly she had been betrayed. Athaliah at that time held the position of queen. It wasn't too many years prior to this that her son, who was the king at the time, his name was Ahaziah. Ahaziah was the king of the country, but he didn't reign for very long, and he died. Therefore, the, the next king would be his next son in line, his oldest son. But Athaliah got to thinking, there's only a few men, a few young men, even some boys and a baby, in between me and the throne. And so she got to work. She sent out some people. And one by one, the sons of Ahaziah started being killed. And it was during this rampage, during this slaughter of the royal, the, the, of the princes, that the quick-thinking priest's wife went and grabbed, snatched up a little baby, one-year-old baby, the last remaining heir to the throne, took the baby, took the priest, uh, or took the, the nurse that was there, and they went into hiding for the next six years in the temple. Can you imagine being a little boy, growing up in hiding, having to live in the church, hearing sounds of kids playing outside the walls and saying, hey, I want to go play, I want to go play. You can't go out there, it's not safe. That was the story for this young little boy. 
And meanwhile, Athaliah is on the throne. She thinks everybody is dead. She didn't realize that somebody had survived. Until one day, the priest, his name was Jehoiada, he realized after six years of Athaliah's reign of terror, after six years of her running the country into the ground, it was time to do something. And so he took young Joash at the age of seven, took him to the temple, stood him by the pillar, put the royal crown on his head. I wonder how well it fit. Is anybody seven here this morning? Seven? Can you imagine being king or president? How would that be? Weird. Weird. <laughs> yeah. A little bit weird. Maybe Joash felt the same way. He stood there, crown on his head, copy of the book of the law in his hand. The trumpets blasted and the people proclaimed, long live the king. Upon hearing this, Athaliah ripped her clothes and she yelled, treason, treason, hoping and expecting her guards to come to her rescue. But instead, they took her outside the city and the same thing that she did to the royal princes was done to her. It was a bad day for Athaliah at that inaugural service. But it was a great day for the land of Judah because now a rightful heir to the throne once again sat on the throne. Joash, at the age of seven, had become king. His story is found in two places in the Bible, but I want to invite you to open up your Bibles to 2 Chronicles chapter 24. We're just going to take a look at his life this morning in 2 Chronicles chapter 24. Lessons from his life. Secrets for long-term success. 2 Chronicles chapter 24 and verse 1. It says, Joash was seven years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem for how many years? Forty years. Long reign. Long reign. He reigned there for 40 years. His mother's name was Zibiah. She was from Beersheba. And Joash did what was right in the eyes of the Lord all the years of Jehoiada the priest. From the very beginning, the priest, Jehoiada, was a part of his life. He was the one whose wife had rescued Joash from certain death. He was the one who had almost served as a father figure to young Joash, teaching him about God providing for him food, providing safety and shelter for him day after day after day for those six years of secrecy. And you've got to believe that even as Joash became king at seven, it was probably a little weird for him. So, so the priest kind of served as the mentor. He kind of served as the king, uh, uh, helping young Joash to make decisions because it's hard to know what to do. You know, if somebody's coming to war at you and you're just seven years old, eight years old, so he had the guidance of the priest. And that, that guidance was effective. As we start to learn the story of Joash, we see that Joash had a heart for God. He wanted to do good things for God. You look down at verse 4, 2 Chronicles 24. Sometime later, Joash decided to restore the temple of God. Verse 5, he called together the priests and the Levites and he said to them, Go to the towns of Judah and collect the money due annually from all Israel to repair the temple of your God. Do it now. But unfortunately, the Levites did not act at once. Joash recognized. Like last week, we were talking about restoring and rebuilding the temple. This is happening earlier chronologically in the history of Israel. 
The temple had fallen into disrepair. He said, we need to fix it up. Maybe the parking lot was falling apart. He said, we need to fix it up, right? That's what you guys did here. So Joash says, go out and get the money. But the people, the priests, the Levites were a little slow in doing so. Time passes. Time passes. He, he realizes nothing has been done. So finally he just takes things into his own hands. If you look at verse 8. At the king's command, a chest was made and placed outside at the gate of the temple of the Lord. He basically had a big box. And you've seen the pictures in the Bible stories growing up or reading them to your kids or grandkids. There was a hole in the middle of the chest. It was sitting there at the entrance. And as people would come into the temple area, they would see the chest, remember that it needed to be fixed, and they would drop some money into the chest. Is that the system you guys used here? The parking lot? Just a big box with a hole? <laughs> so simple. But if you look at the story, it worked. It worked. The temple had been broken down. Athaliah's sons had gotten in there and broken things up. It hadn't been used during her time. It needed work done. The people responded joyfully and they dropped money in. And when the box got full, they just took it in the back in the storeroom, dumped the money out, and they brought out another empty chest. And the people continued to give. And this was a, a great time in Joash's reign. He'd started out so well, he was doing a good work of reform. In fact, the people who were working, the laborers, as you read this story, they were so excited about it, they didn't even need to be supervised. They were trustworthy. This was God's work, and they didn't need to have somebody watching over them to make sure they were doing it right, because they said, we're going to do this job, and we're going to do it right. They restored the sacrifices, the services, morning and evening. If you look at verse 14, the very last sentence, it says, As long as Jehoiada lived, burnt offerings were presented continually in the temple of the Lord. Good start to Joash's reign. What do you think? Good start. But then something happens. It's kind of not an unexpected event. Look at what happens in the next verse. Verse 15. Now Jehoiada was old and full of years, and he died at the age of 130. That's an old man. In fact, if you read the book of Exodus, not since the book of Exodus, he's the oldest person after the book of Exodus mentioned in the Bible. 130 years old. So if you do the math, he started serving and, and helping Joash no younger than at the age of 90, and he may have been as old as 107 by the time he first rescued Joash. No matter what age we are, we can do something for God. Amen? Amen. There's some life that you can touch and be a blessing to. And that was the case for the priest. So he dies. He's given an honorable uh, funeral. He's buried there with the kings in the city of David. Verse 16. It's too bad that he died, but he, he was old and tired, and he needed to rest. And so rest he did. But what happens next is where the story turns from good to bad. Verse 17. What's the first word in your Bible there? Now, some verse, versions say after. At that time, at the death of Jehoiada, the officials of Judah came and paid homage to the king, and he listened to them. 
They bowed down. They said, oh, king, you're so wise. You're so great. You're so powerful. We have some ideas for you. Look at what their ideas were. Verse 18. They abandoned the temple of the Lord, God of their fathers, and they worshipped Asherah poles and idols. They started serving other gods. This is crazy because Joash was the one that had the vision and the burden to get God's temple restored. And now some guys come along and say, hey, let's stop doing all that temple stuff. We've got some other gods that we want to worship and serve. And Joash listens to them for some reason. And they start following these other gods. Because of their guilt, God's anger came upon Judah and Jerusalem. Verse 19, such a sad verse. It says, Although the Lord sent prophets to the people to bring them back to him, and although they testified against them, they would not listen. It's as if Joash is sitting there, there on his throne. He's going, na, 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 na. I can't hear you, prophets. What a sad turn of events in the story of a, of a young man whose career early had been so bright with such promise. Things get worse, though. Verse 20 and onward describes how the Spirit of God came upon Zechariah, the son of Jehoiada. Not the same Zechariah who wrote the book that we studied last week. This is a different one. But the son, who he basically had probably grown up alongside of. He stands up there in the temple and he says, you've got to stop. We've got to return to God. What you're doing is not right. And Joash didn't like it. He had him executed right there. Ironically, in the very spot where Joash had stood years before and had the crown laid upon his head and the book of the law placed in his hand. The very spot where he had had that inauguration that had dedicated him to serving God. Now he's killing the son of the priest who had done so much for him. The story doesn't get any better. I wish I could say that it did. You continue reading and you see that Warfare breaks out. Joash is wounded in battle. Look at verse 25. When the Arameans withdrew, they left Joash severely wounded. His officials conspired against him for murdering the son of Jehoiada the priest, and they killed him in his bed. So he died and was buried in the city of David, but not in the tombs of the kings. What a sad story. And this pastor's just here to depress us. <laughs> I was in driver's ed a long time ago. Not that long compared to some of you. Anyone do driver's ed? Did they, did they have driver's ed uh, back. back in the day? Okay. I don't know how these things work. <laughs> I was in driver's ed, and... They wanted to impress upon us the importance of wearing our seatbelt. And so what do you think they showed us on a screen? Pictures of happy people who survived accidents not wearing their seatbelt? I thank God I wasn't wearing my seatbelt, but I'm just fine, right? No, that's not the picture that inspires people to, to wear their seatbelt. I won't describe the things that I saw on that screen. But I'll just tell you that my face, when I, I got to, and this is no joke, when I got out to the car, my mom said that I looked green. Probably not as green as the carpet, but I looked green because I was so sick 
every single one of these pictures. And then at the end, they would say, oh, and if they'd been wearing their seatbelt, they probably would have survived. This probably wouldn't have happened to them. And it's, it's kind of a gross thing, and it's kind of unfortunate that that's the way we learn, but oftentimes that's how we learn, right? There are probably a lot of moms here that have a bunch of stories of horrible things to tell their kids or their grandkids to warn them against doing X, Y, Z. You know, I, I know how it was with my mom. It seems like she had these stories or these things about the person who didn't wear enough clothing when they went on a hike and then they died of hypothermia. And they're like, oh, no. We don't want to live in fear, but we want to live in reality, right? So God allows these sad stories in the Bible to warn us against making the same mistakes. So Joash's story is complete. There are a lot of lessons we could learn from it, but I want to highlight two key aspects from his life. Secrets. They're really not secrets. Lessons for long-term success. He had short-term success, but what we want is long-term success. Amen? Amen? At what point did Joash stop following after God? At what point? Do you remember? Yeah, exactly. What were we going to say? Same thing? Yeah. When the priest died, right? I got to thinking, you know, if Joash had had a deeper-rooted faith, it seems like he would have been able to withstand the peer pressure from these evil counselors, right? He had, a, he had an experience. He, he, he knew about God. He loved God. But when he lost his support, he wasn't able to stand on his own. Boy, it's so good. It, it's so important for us to choose the right friends, the right influences in our, in our life. And it may not even be the friends that we choose, but maybe it's the things that we watch on the TV or the, the things that we listen to. Sometimes people kind of become friends with the people in, in the TV. I remember when I was a kid, I was watching these programs on PBS. I like PBS. A lot of got it. They have a lot of good programming on there. But I remember kind of becoming attached to these characters in this program. And I remember dreaming about meeting them. And I was so excited that I dreamt that I met these people. But then I was so disappointed when I woke up and it didn't actually happen. I'd formed a friendship with people that I could never meet and never interact with. I wasn't influencing them, but they were influencing me. Joash was influenced by the wrong thing. Got to think about what we're allowing to influence ourselves. But the point that I'm, I'm getting at here is Joash's faith appears to have been a little bit shallow. They say that there are no grandchildren in the kingdom of God. Or let me say that differently. God has no spiritual grandchildren. In other words, all of us are to be sons and daughters of God. We don't get into the kingdom because our parents or our grandparents loved Jesus and had a saving relationship. We get into the kingdom because we personally have a saving relationship with Jesus. Amen. Lesson number one, grow a deep faith if you want long-term success. There are going to be challenges in life. We pray for good support, but we may not always have it. But if we grow deep roots, 
the power of the Holy Spirit can sustain us. Not in our own might or our own power, but through His Spirit, we can get through anything. Lesson number two is we need good support. How many of you can think about people in your own life who've supported you spiritually at a time when you needed it? Yeah. Probably all of us are here for some reason or another because someone else supported them, encouraged you on your walk, on your journey. It's so important for us to have this. Joash turned away when he lost his spiritual mentor. Do you have a spiritual mentor? Do you have a prayer partner? Do you have people that you can call upon? Furthermore, are you actively seeking out people who you can encourage? Are you making friends with people? Do you know everybody's name here? Do you know the names of the people sitting near you? We want to be a family that encourages and fosters growth. When new people come into our church, we want to help them to get deep roots in Jesus. We want to be that source of encouragement for them in their lives. Amen? Number one, grow deep faith. Number two, support one another spiritually. Perhaps there's someone who today you could give a phone call to, pay a visit to, send them a text message or an email, just with a little word of encouragement. How many of you have been to the 10 days of prayer so far and been blessed by that? I have been really blessed by it night by night. I've found that my roots spiritually are growing deeper as I come together and am supported by one another. Tonight we're meeting at what time? Six o'clock. This is a special exception. Sabbath exception. 6 p.m. tonight. Every other night. For the next seven nights we're meeting at 7 p.m. in the youth chapel. When the first time I heard about this type of thing, I wasn't sure about, whoa, you get together and you pray for an hour? That sounds kind of boring. Let's just be honest. But I was at camp meeting, I went into the prayer room, and I experienced just the power of praying together. And it wasn't just all praying, it was sometimes singing songs, other times reading Bible verses, other times uh, just praying in a conversational style. You don't even have to pray, you can just show up. But I learned, wow, this is a powerful experience, and I feel encouraged and uplifted every time I go. If you want your roots to grow deeper, I, I challenge you to do a couple of things. Number one, we mentioned this last week, Spend time daily in prayer, personal prayer. Number two, spend time daily reading, feeding your soul through God's word. We also mentioned last week the importance of coming together, like we've talked about. But something we didn't talk about, if you want to grow your roots deep spiritually, share the things that you've learned with someone else. If you only come here week after week and eat uh, spiritually, but you don't exercise, you don't share your faith, you don't put it to work, you won't grow roots deep like God wants. And then by coming together with other people, supporting each other, we can grow deep roots for God, for his kingdom. There's a man who was really good in Walla Walla at encouraging and supporting people. His name's Doug. Doug would just walk down the streets 
of Walla Walla, the, the ghetto streets. There are gangs, there are dangers in, in little old Walla Walla. But he would walk down the streets just to make friends with people, to find the kids on the street that needed encouragement. And he had friends all around the community. He would go to the football games. He would go here and there. He would, he would visit people all over the place to be a source of encouragement and support, just like Jehoiada the priest was for young Joash. I was at church uh, a while ago and when my parents go to church and I met a guy who was the deacon and this guy had formerly been in prison but he'd met the Lord in prison and Doug was somebody who would visit him in prison and share Jesus with him by and by. And now his life has been transformed. He's a deacon in the church and Doug's not even an Adventist but he's just going around as a Christian loving and encouraging people. One day Doug got a phone call from a friend up in Seattle the friend said, Doug, I'm dying. I'm dying of cancer. Would you come visit me before I die? Of course, Doug went over to Seattle as quickly as he could, spent some time visiting, praying, encouraging his friend. And as his friend was lying there in the hospital bed, he just said, Doug, would you tell me some stories? Tell me some stories about people who you have encouraged, some kids' stories. I want to hear some stories. And so Doug started telling story after story about people because the Holy Spirit was working in and through him, whom he had encouraged along their journey, whose lives had been transformed by the Holy Spirit working through him. And at the end of these stories, the man lying there in the hospital bed, he reflected on his life and how he'd, he'd kept to himself. He hadn't sought to be a spiritual encouragement to other people. And he turned to Doug and he just said, wow, I would give everything I possess just to be able to tell one of those stories myself. There at the end of his life, Doug's friend realized the important thing is not what we do for ourselves, but how we support and encourage each other. Two key lessons from the life of Joab. Number one, grow a deep faith day by day. And number two, seek support and be a support to others. It makes an eternity of difference. I want to be that type of person. How about you? God, we desire to learn from the sad story of Joash. We desire to grow our faith deeper day by day. And we desire to be a support. Place on our heart someone today who we can call or text or visit. Somebody that we can just be there for, Lord. And if we need support and encouragement, please help us to reach out to someone. Somebody here at the church or someone else that we know. Lord, together with the power of your spirit, we want to make it to the kingdom. And we want to bring many people with us who your spirit has reached in and through us. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a happy Sabbath.